Welcome back to Insemination. We are spilling the tea today. Wall Street Journal just released an article titled, hold on, I want to get this correct. A sperm donor chases a role in the lives of his 96 children he fathered. So this article is about a donor and some of his recipient parents and sort of navigating their relationship all together. And unfortunately, the donor and the recipient parents who were interviewed felt extraordinarily misrepresented and mischaracterized by this article. And this article, um, since it was released, more articles have been written by different public, public um, publications. And Dylan has received a crap load of death threats because of it. And some of the most heinous comments I have ever seen, the recipient parents feel horrible for the situation that has happened. And so we are going to take the time to go into it. We are going to talk about their actual story and we're going to take some time to see if we can fix this situation a bit but before we go into the episode please remember that we are gearing up for a major donor conceived event that i am planning october 15th in new orleans i'm not going to announce what the event is quite yet i i I want to wait a little bit longer Uh, mid-september i will announce it but right now i am raising funds for this event this entire event is about making sure that donor conceived voices are heard so representation matters so right now i am asking for donations you can donate to our gofundme or you can buy this t-shirt and the all the proceeds from the shirt will be going into funding this event all links are in the caption for these episodes and all the proceeds and all of the funds that we collect are going to be paying for housing and transportation for as many donor conceived people as we can get there as possible so anything you can spare whether it's five ten dollars ten dollars hundred dollars if you're feeling funky We will happily accept because every dollar you spend will help a donor-conceived person get there. But just letting you know, this event is not going to be just for donor-conceived people. Everyone is welcome, whether you're donor-conceived, recipient, parent, a donor, or just an ally who wants to show support. I'll be letting everybody know the full details very soon, but please mark on your calendar October 15th in New Orleans and October 15th in New Orleans as well at the Howlin' Wolf. I will be headlining at 8 p.m. Tickets are on my website. But let's not waste any more time. Let's get to the episode. Well, welcome to Insemination, Dylan. How you doing? I've been better, Laura, but with with your support here and the support of the community, uh, I'm feeling way better than I was when, when, you know, the article broke and then the subsequent articles. So I am... I'm so sorry you and your recipient parents are going through this. My heart goes out to all of you. You guys were all actively trying to share your story, provide really good, helpful information. And the way that it was just botched was unneeded. It was unnecessary. And I am so sorry. And especially with like all of just the rancid comments and death threats you're dealing with, it's just, it's absolutely egregious. And I am so sorry Um, And I'm so happy, though, that you have the energy to talk to me today to go a little bit more long form into the details about your story and to tell the story that should have been told. Because what your recipient parents and you have to share is so unbelievably important. And let's really go into the weeds with that. So let's kind of what I'd love to do is sort of detail first and kind of go through your story, what what really you kind of went through. And then I'd love to kind of break down the article a little bit and go through what you would like to amend and fix. Um, And before anybody kind of like jumps in and goes like, yeah, but, you know, what does his recipient parents have to say about this article? Like maybe, um, you know, maybe they were, you know, telling their truth and he's just upset with what they said. 
Here is what two of his recipient parents who were interviewed from the article had to say. Here is one. As a recipient parent of Dylan's donations, I want to so strongly communicate that he has never, ever been intrusive or violated any boundary. He has been nothing but open and supportive and respectful. And we have been the ones to want to engage with him and have our children have a chance to know him because we know that that is best practices for donor-conceived children. This article did not represent him fairly, and we want to speak out about that and make that very clear. And here is the other one. Hello, my name is Alicia Bose. In response to the Wall Street Journal article, our family dynamic with Dylan was mischaracterized as being strained and contentious. It is admittedly challenging to navigate at times with no resources or model for how to approach our unique dynamic, but our connection with Dylan is nothing but positive and healthy with open communication, trust, and mutual gratitude. It saddens me that Dylan was portrayed as chasing a role in the lives of our children when we've always welcomed him and his ever-evolving role in our children's lives as they lead the way. Thanks. So... Full disclosure, everyone involved in this article is not happy how it turned out, which means there is an absolute problem with it. So let's combat this misinformation and start at the top. So Dylan, when did you start donating? I started donating in early 2011. Um, I had a financial need come up where I needed to actually, uh, you know, pay pay for a lawyer and I did not have the means to do so. Mm-hmm. And my roommate was donating at the time mm-hmm. uh, with, with Zytex. Mm-hmm. So it was normalized in my house. He would go there a few times a week. And at one point he came back and said, Hey, if you need money and if you're open to it, you know, this is a great way to make money. And uh, his friends and his frat were donating and they proceeded to basically t- communicate to me how best to, uh, uh, this is something that I wanted to talk about here, Laura, they informed me how best to lie on my intake forms. This was the culture at my university. What university? uh, This was at Georgia State, very close to Zytex, headquarters, downtown Atlanta. Um, And I wouldn't say it's just Georgia State, you know, uh, I, I worry that there are these young men who haven't uh, experienced the things they need to, to understand that, and certainly didn't get the education they need to, to understand that this, uh, it has major repercussions if you are to lie on these intake forms, but I got very little information coming into it. Uh, you know, most of which coming from my peers telling me how to make sure that my, you know, intake form went through successfully. And, and just to give everybody a little bit more kind of information, so many of these donors are like 18 years old. I mean, I know technically 18 is, you know, technically an adult, but we were all 18. We know that like I was an idiot at 18. Most of us are idiots at 18. No offense to any 18 year olds out there. You're all lovely, but there is still a certain amount of life you just haven't had at 18. And on top of it, legally, these clinics and cryobanks are not legally bound to verify the medical information that a donor hands in. And this becomes 
the only scrap of medical history that these donor-conceived children have. And false medical information, because we do know plenty of donors who have lied on the forms, can lead to donor-conceived people getting very sick and have ended um, and have resulted in some donor-conceived people dying. Um, so it's a very, very serious thing. Uh, if you don't mind me asking, what were your friends like um, coaching you to lie about? What were they emphasizing? Well, they would say things like, oh, well, this person's form didn't get accepted because he reported this or, you know, I reported this and they, you know, asked me to, uh, you know, apply again or, you know, things like that. So it was basically everything that you've heard about the industry, um, them oh, saying specifics on on what to report and what not to. And what year was and this? This was 2011. This was 2011. And this was happening. And I'd like to think this next generation is is doing better. Gen Z has had more exposure to certain things, but without the education yeah. and without the resources, they're just not going to really understand that. But kind of piggybacking off what you were saying, Laura, like how many good experiences have you had with 18 to 20 year old boys? Like, are they're, they're kind of, they're kind of dicks and, and they just haven't. I'm like, sure there's lovely 18 year old boys out there. I'm sure there are, but we, we know right. of some not great ones. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, here's the thing. Society doesn't trust them to put a drink in their hand. And yet they're here making these enormous decisions that end up, in my case, impacting hundreds of lives permanently, creating yeah. that many. So, yeah. And what did they tell you about like sibling size? Like, did they did were they telling you like, oh, it'll only be like 20 kids or 30 kids or 40 kids? Or was that like never brought up to you? Yeah, so it was brought up to me initially by my peers. They would say, "Oh no, they limited at forty or uh, and and so I was like, "Okay, forty kids. I'll never reach that. You know, that seems like it's astronomical number to an adolescent where like even if you're like, oh, i'm I'm hot shit, you know, like you're not gonna I, like, I'm no, laughing uh, in in donor conception <laughs> right now <laughs> it's it's it, it was so weird to hear that number and and be like, okay, why don't why wouldn't they?" I don't know, just 40 seemed astronomical. And yeah. now I would be like, oh, that that sounds really chill, actually. Yeah, that, that's um, reasonable. We can work with 40. Compared it's, to, yeah, compared to where I'm at now. It's so um, sad with, because, you no, know, you're you're in the world long enough and you hear somebody and they're like, how many siblings do you have? And they're like, oh, I seem like I've probably got like 20, 30. And you're like, oh, small pod. Cool. Good for you. And it's <laughs> horrible because that's not small. That's insanity. But like yeah. when you really dive in and you learn what a lot of people have, you're just like, oh, that's that's a that's a walk in the breeze. That's fine. That's cool. That's a little playground. Like that's fine. No, it's 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 so bad yeah. how skewed we get when the longer you learn how how bad and deep it gets. Um, so right. they think it's forty siblings. So you go to Cytex, you fill out an application, and what and what is that experience like? Yeah, yeah, it was. I, I walk in and, and I made a, a TikTok that that captured it pretty accurately, actually. My I first saw one that TikTok. I did. <laughs> you walk in and and they say, uh, how tall are you? That was like like within five seconds of me being in the room. Ugh. And my friend was like, hey, I'm referring this guy. And they asked me how, how tall I am. And so all of a sudden I was in this like interrogation and I had been coached they they were like no 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 said they need you to be at least 510 I am 510 I said I, I, I said 510 uh and then they hand me these weird forms that are asking me like have you been to Africa in the last five years mm -hmm. or uh you know all or are you gay have you had sex with men in the last five years and all of these 
things that were like really shocking to me that yes. I had to just letting anybody know. Um, unfortunately, gay men are still not allowed to fucking donate. It's still not allowed. They're still not allowed, even though most of most recipient parents now are from the queer community and they mm. still don't accept donations from gay men is I find to be just deplorable. Um, I, I'm yeah. like, get, get, it's just horrific to me. Oh my God. But yes, keep going. Yes. Sorry. Don't mean to interrupt. No, no. So, I mean, it, so it was a strange experience. I mean, I felt, and, and this was not the, the last time that I was objectified by, you know, the people in this office, basically. Um, I would walk in later and they'd say, oh, look at his eyes or turn around. And, oh yeah. And... Cause you're, you're a stallion. You're a stud now. Um, yes. So, you're, yeah. you're the prized, you're the prized horse. We got to walk you around the stable and show everybody. For real, for yeah. real. And honestly, Laura, an important feeling for a young, straight, white man to have is to be objectified, outnumbered by these sort of middle-aged women in the in the office and and uncomfortable, like yeah. wildly uncomfortable. I, I, I'm, I've, I wish I could say I wish that hadn't happened to me, but in a lot of ways, I kind of wish it happened to more young men. Not that it should happen in sperm banks like this, and we should be boiled down to our stats. But, but. it is is—it is a very—no, but you are right. It is a very interesting experience that very few people, I would say, of your group go through. Um, but it also continually adds to the commodification that the fertility in industry perpetuates when it comes to donor-conceived people, but also donors as well. They completely commodify you between your hair color, your skin tone, your eye color, your education. Um, what sport did you play? What What is the texture of your hair? Um, mm -hmm. And they completely commodify you down and boil you down to a, a number of like, we can sell this file for X. It's horrible. And, it really is. And seeing the, so most recently, when I was looking online for like, whoa, are they still distributing, you know, my genetic material? I searched my donor number. I searched the sperm bank and I found this page that's like, boom, my stats. And at the bottom is this little button that says order now. And I'm just like, whoa, it, it, it gives me chills right now talking about it because that's the reality that there's this, this marketing and this supply chain involved in my literal procreation. I Ugh, chilling stuff. Yeah, I can actually I hadn't thought about it that from that perspective, but looking at that seeing you just literally packaged and sold and being marketed, I would I would completely imagine feeling very very dehumanizing. Yeah. Yeah, totally dehumanizing. So so as I go through this process to become a, a donor, uh, you know, on the sort of the first day there, then I have to uh, give a donation. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> that's a, it's an awkward. Oh, I can't silly, imagine. Yeah. Silly experience, honest, like in so many ways. I mean, they got to give you material to watch. They, they got to show you how to put a napkin down on this seat that this is your first time doing it. You think how many times has this happened right here? Yeah. And, um, I didn't exactly put me in the mood, but anyways, they had to give me, I had to give two out of five successful samples. So I had to give with the proper motility and, mm -hmm. uh, sperm count and, uh, out of five tries, I had two opportunities to, to do that. And they gave me the option in this moment on this day to choose between anonymous donation and open ID donation. And mm -hmm. here's the thing. They were going to give me 60 bucks 
to be an anonymous donor for each each donation, 60 bucks, or they were going to give me $100 for each donation if I were open ID. So, you know, the, you start to see the beginnings incentive system that fortunately is pushing people towards open ID. Which is a, actually is a good ID. thing. I'm happy that they're that they are incentivizing a little bit more. That is that is good. Um, right. I wanted to give them that because, I mean, let's be as fair as possible in this whole situation. Unlike, we'll, we'll talk about the journalists later. Um, uh, but so they gave me, they incentivized me towards uh, becoming an open ID donor. Mm -hmm. Now, this is market driven. This is because they can sell more. Yes. Uh, and they charge more for open ID sperm. Mm -hmm. So this is something that I think is awesome for us to be able to leverage here is how might we push the market towards more ethical practices here and i think by you and me having these conversations and, and sharing this kind of stuff more prospective recipient parents if we can get this information into their hands before they start the process will yes. have the information they need to guide these sperm banks away from you know, say only offering anonymous donation like they might have done however many years. Ago. I, I do think attempting to unfortunately strong, strong, strong arm these cryobanks using capitalism, unfortunately, is sort of one of our only tools that we can is. And it's why I encourage a lot of recipient parents to be like call banks or intended recipient parents to call banks and be like, do you have known donors? Do you have open ID donors? How many open ID do owners do you have? And if they're like, no, we don't have any or we charge so much more for that. OK, thank you so much. Hang up the phone. Like yeah. you let them know because they, mm. they all they care about is your profit. All they care about is your money. That's all they care about. And let them know what you want. And they are relying on the fact that you are uninformed. And if you if you all remember my my episode with Jana Rupp now, she really, really underlined the fact that you have the most power when you are a buyer. As soon as you buy, everything's out the window. You have to do the research beforehand. Um, so you donated from 2011 to 2016? Yes, on and off. On and off. So like on... Okay, so you were paid $100 a hundred dollars a donation. If you don't mind me asking, how many times do you believe you donated? Probably upwards of two hundred. I mean, I was doing it three times a week for multiple years. Um, so let let's so, say two hundred. Do you know how yeah. many vials your donations were split into? Not specifically with mine, but I hear and and know and have read in the industry that it's as many as five to eight sellable vials. Per oh, donation. it can get up to nineteen. Ooh, wow! I know. Okay, not not when you have to lay a napkin down on the chair. Not for me, but anyways. All um, right, so we've got two hundred times one hundred. Okay, so you made about twenty thousand dollars. Yeah, I, I would say that's a fair estimate. How much were they selling your vials for? Between one and upwards of two thousand dollars. Oh my god! Are you serious? Yeah, one yeah. to two thousand. So oh my! We could safely say between five and sixteen thousand dollars per donation that they're making. That's part of why they weren't telling me to stop. You know. Okay, um, so let's say so between one thousand to. So let let's say, and we have no idea how many vials, but I mean, let let's just have some. Let's okay. So we know most likely it was at least three vials. 
most likely it was three. Let's let's keep it really safe. Let's say you were doing three. So three times 200 is 600 times. We'll split the difference. We'll say 1500. They hypothetically made $900,000 off of you. And you got $20,000. Yeah. Wow. I've never crunched those numbers. They, they've made close to a million dollars just off of you, just off of one donor. Holy shit. And they have other ways of charging the recipient parents too. They charge them a subscription model for being able to view more information about the donor, the, the donors as they're picking them out and they charge them for storage and, and, Many of these recipient parents are still paying for storage because it's oh, hard they for them nickel to- and dime these parents like crazy because like you know, and this always it always drives me crazy that they're paying a thousand dollars for a fucking vial of sperm, a thousand dollars, and that doesn't come with your medical history. They have to pay extra for medical history, Oof. or they have to pay extra to see a photo or something. That's just it's egregious to me. And it's like if I'm paying a thousand dollars for a, a vial of sperm, that should damn come with. Medical history it drives me crazy. Uh, how how much yeah. they literally get these parents in every single corner, and they made nine hundred thousand dollars off of just you alone. That's and I mean, how many donors does Zytex have? At one, I think like they have, they have. I know a few hundred active donors right now. Yeah, I mean, there were guys coming in and out of there regularly. Uh, no pun intended they they were constant stream of of people that were you know they were knocking on the door and and i would have to say occupied like like this was a this was a thing you you were running into your friends at this place my roommate Uh... and i yeah my roommate and i would would talk to each other like hey you go to the spank bank today it's and I, i was like yeah, can I hitch a ride? And and yeah, and, and what a good bonding activity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, one of us would have to wait for the other one, and and uh, yeah, it, it's. So I mean, there's a lot of humor in this. There's a lot. There of humor is. In this, I'm sorry, my comic day, brain were, is going. It's... Is like this is serious right now, Laura. But I'm like, oh my god. But this, I just want to know how spunky y'all were walking to the cryobank together. <laughs> Well, after a weekend of holding it, you were scratching on the door at 8.59 a.m. like a like a puppy. Like, let me in. But yeah, you were 20-year-old boys, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And we had to wait. You have to wait 48 hours between donations to regenerate. Or at least that's what they tell you. Maybe you maybe some guys could go in every day, but they were like, no, 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 you gotta wait 48 hours. So um I have heard yeah, that as well. Little, yeah, yeah. Weird little nuances that are funny and yet at the end of the day they're just exploiting these adolescents you know so so um i do have to ask you donated from 2011 to 2016 that is a very long time to donate why did you feel comfortable donating for that long so on the the day that we were talking about the day that i walk in i'm confirming the information about okay so 40 is the limit and they nod their head. And it's 40, uh, you you ask, f- you, you're, what exactly do you say? I said, so the, and the limit is 40. And they said, yeah. And my, so here's the disconnect. My peers had told me 40 children was the mm-hmm. limit. It, when I looked at the contract, it said 40 families. 
and here Big I am all, already in the door, you know? Oh. And so, and I didn't know, I didn't know that that was going to, yeah, again, 40 seemed just so astronomical. So here I see that and I'm like, okay, so you, how can y'all afford to pay me to come in here three times a week? You know, what's, what's up with that? And they're like, well, the rest goes to research. And so I figured, okay, I was in a, a medical research lab at the time as an intern, mm. um, a, a biomedical, uh, whatever, what, uh, lab. And so I'm, I'm, I know what these research grants look like because of my experience as an intern in, in these research labs. And uh, I figure, oh, they have some government grant that lets them, you know, that they're doing research on say maybe stem cells or maybe, um, uh, you know, genetics, important disease research or CRISPR or, you know, some of, some of, some of these things that if used the right way could, could just really change the game medically for a lot of people. Of course. So I, I was excited to support that and, and participate in that and figured like, okay, so that means that here's this stream of income that I can leverage to shoot. I mean, I did it through grad school. I, I co-founded a nonprofit in my mid twenties using this income to help me like pay the bills and things. So I, I had uh, all the incentive and all the information to suggest that I was supporting science and and was able to go in as many times for as long as I want um, because of that. Uh, I later find out what their business model is, where they're making X amount of money off of each donation. And yeah, that, yeah now we're talking about them making close to a million dollars off of me, uh, assuming certain numbers. So uh, yeah, yeah, it was a lot. Wow. Um, oh, that, but, so, that, and, uh, but I get that. That makes a lot of sense. And, and all of this was sort of decided day of, like I signed the contract that day. I was, I'm 20 years old. I'm in desperate need of money. And I was given just a sliver of time and encouragement from all of my peers to go about it a certain way. And, mm. and they're saying, oh, it's fine. Nobody has 40 um, because at the time nobody did. Oh God. They uh, Have you but, asked them? Have you checked in with them to be like, hey, friends? Yeah. 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 I checked in with my roommate after uh, I was contacted by the first recipient parent here. And I was like, Hey, have you checked in recently with all of that? And he was like, yeah, I hit 40 like a while ago and they retired me. And, you know, he's raising one of his own now. And, and, uh, but I was just kind of like, okay, like, how do you feel about that? Cause I was just contacted by this recipient parent and like, I'm feeling all types of way about it. And so I was, and he was polite, but he didn't, view it the same way because he hadn't been in direct communication with any recipient parents mm. or kids so this is sort of an example of kind of some of the emotional support i've been able to receive since this whole experience which is not a lot of um responsive uh support coming from people who understand yeah. what i'm going through um it's it's a very lonely endeavor now after it being such a a a group activity back in college when we would go to the spank bank together. Um, so well, you know, that was the fun part. That was the fun part. Right. Right. You guys exactly. were getting paid to do your favorite thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, so, and who, yeah, right. Who's not gonna, you're walking down the street, somebody offers you a hundred bucks to go do the thing you're on your way home to do for free. Yeah. You know, and if you're given certain information, then, 
even if you're given some of the wrong information, you can do some mental gymnastics to say, oh, no, no, this is probably fine, especially when you're 20 and you're naive. 20. And, you're 20 yeah. years old. I don't I personally believe that no one should be donating until they're 25, in my personal yeah. opinion. I mean, there's so many things that you don't really even get diagnosed with until like you're at least 25. I And I think it's good to have a little bit more life experience and also advocating for yourself medically because very few 20-year-olds have that experience. Absolutely. And if they're older, they'll be a lot less likely to be in these sort of toxic university environments where yes. these sort of these frat bros who are encouraging each other to just, you know, go out and get that, get that money, you know, uh, no matter the- Get that know, spank bank. Yeah. Yeah. Get the spank bang. I texted my mom that one time by accident because I was I was trying to text my roommate, but oh, she was my no. most recent conversation. I was like, hey, I'm heading to the spank bank. And she was like, that's a funny name for it, actually. Um, she, she, she was cool about it, which brings up actually something else that I wanted to mention. Like I did at some my family knew that I was donating at the time. OK, um, that's actually yeah. huge because there's so many donors who actually never tell their family until it's too late. And that's such a fun family moment. Uh, how how does your and how did your family react? Yeah, I mean, they didn't think much of it while I was donating, and they had a very different reaction once I showed them pictures of their you know genetic grandchildren and yeah. genetic nieces and nephews, if you will. So yeah. um, it's uh, always different but, when um, the kid so is born and you're faced with that face, and you just go, ah, shit, that thing's real. It's not just a, yeah. like in a cup anymore. It's like a, it's it's got a face. Right, right. And until then, in my mind, it, you know, it was just it was numbers. It, it was a little more than that because I was informed along the way of different numbers and it like just really took off yeah. um, towards the end. But yeah, until you see their faces, until you hear their voices, uh, it's it's hard to to really understand, e even if you're like a parent already. And it's hard to understand like, whoa, this is this many kids out there until until they're, you know, in your lives. Um, that's what it took for my dad to to understand, too. You know, um, one so, of the child children was born on the last day of my trip visiting him. Oh, uh, wow. Twenty twenty one. And I showed him the picture like, hey, this is real. And then finally, after like, you know, a year and a half of uh, of figuring out what uh of, of trying to get him to understand like this is something very real for me and for all of these people it took a, a little girl being born and, and me showing this image to him for yeah. it to click it, it sometimes and sometimes it just takes that time and that image and that photo to make it very real um yeah so then let's kind of let's kind of move through let's kind of go through so you donated 2011 to 2016 what year was the first year that your recipient parent contacted you that was 2020 okay and so we had some time to like let the dust settle and you had a life yeah i did i did um and so you know i i spoke a little bit about the kids just feeling like numbers until you see their faces but really when you uh when it's when you're aware that there have been births out there it changes your perspective as 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 a man really you know, I, I knew at age 23 or so that there were two births. Mm -hmm. And then uh, a, a, a bit later, it was eight. And I was like, wow, hold on. My DNA has been passed on. Like, 
it sort of flips your priorities you're a, on you're on a, a biological father you have children yeah. out there yeah this yeah. is i it really to me and this is something that bothers me so much about the fertility industry is they really love separating the donors from reality they're just like oh my god you're gonna pay for you're gonna have all this money it's gonna be great it's gonna be, you're gonna help families out but i mean we've spoken to donors who were like you have biological children and they're like no i no i don't i'm like they're not my biological children and i'm like yes they that they literally are your biological children and the industry does such a phenomenal job at like really just covering those facts so that you do not think about it you are not prepared for it for when you're actually faced with what happened and you don't have yeah. the tools and you don't have like you're not prepped and it's horrible how they don't prep donors right and so here I am as this young man aware of eight births, and uh, I end up falling in love with this woman. She has a, a child of her own, uh, and I you know, fall in love with the kid, too. He's a great kid. And part of why I committed to being his dad, we were together for five years. I was raising this little boy. I ended up marrying her, and, and then uh, we can go into 2020 in a bit. But well, oh, hold on. I just want to make well, sure. So th this, uh, you, you met a girl who already had a child, or you guys had a child together? she already had a child it was another man's biology. understand okay um the father was not in the picture whatsoever and uh i you know met her fell in love with her and uh part of the reasons why i was willing to commit to uh being uh, you know her partner or with and this little boy's father was because she, i was better able to push through the stigma of you're raising another man's child because I knew my DNA had been passed on. Mm. If my DNA had been passed on, why did it matter whose child I was raising? I wanted to be a dad. I committed to that. And, and in part because of the, the shift that being a donor inspired in me. That was okay. I know we're going to talk about the, the article later, but that was so not imprinted was that that you were a stepdad it made because that was one thing I okay I we gotta jump to the article just for a second because in it, it it's like you it says that like yes you were married you had a kid but then it but then it quotes you saying that um you looked at your first donor conceived child as your first child and I was like but you already had a child and that confused me but the fact that they you were the kid's stepdad this wasn't yeah. your biological child. And and I mean, yeah. and, and let me just say right now, this 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 is not meant to put down any kind of stepchild, step step parent relationship in the least bit. This is just talking about how they phrased in the article was just extremely poor. Yeah. Oh my God. Absolutely. Yeah. That was that not was at a... all said in the article that you were, oh my God. A huge part of it. And what's what's funny is like I even oh. have like I opened up a savings account for this little boy, like where my name and his name are on this paperwork. Like there's some, some evidence that they could have like drummed up to include that in the story, but for whatever reason, they didn't want to. They, they didn't want to make it look part. like that. Yeah. It, yeah. I don't know what their real intention was, but part of the beauty oh, of the story that's... is I knew what committing to a child meant to a child and to an adult and made the choice to do that for my donor kids oh that's angering so, that's really angering i am so like that Ooh, ooh. and so okay. picking up and reading the article that i read 
I was like, where were we for the last five months working together? Were we talking about different stories? Like, oh my God. it, it was like, it felt like gaslighting. It felt like, uh, yeah. it felt like I had been told that one thing was about to happen and I wake up and it's something just radically different and harmful to me and our mission in this donor conceived community. Oh my God. Okay. So I know we're going to get more to the, to the article, but okay. So you, you met yeah. this, you met, so you got married, you are now, you're a stepdad and you are like really involved in this kids and, and you, you're being an extremely active step parent, which is awesome. We love to see that. Um, and so, and this is 2020, right? Uh, yeah. So 2020 is actually when, uh, my marriage ended. Mm-hmm. Um, and, f- uh, so let me, let me talk a little bit about sort of the years leading up to that, because it has to do like Cytex was doing some, some things, uh, they were doing things. Love that. I love that for them. Right. Really? So, so, uh, I, let me tell you uh, about when I was 26 and this is, yes, I'm cohabitating with this little boy and, and his mom, and we have this little family together and, uh, by the way, this woman knew that I was a donor. Okay. Uh, and, I love that you and, told her. I love that because so many donors never tell their partners, which is awful. Yeah. So yeah. Bad. It caused tension too, especially after this happened. Let, let me describe this situation. I get a text from Zytex at age 26. I have stopped donating at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, this is 2016 or 2017. And they say, Hey, you owe us money. Like you got to come in. And they harassed me about that several times, emails, calls, and, and it just kept happening. Why do you owe them money? How how do I owe them money? So they did some weird stuff with their incentive pay where they would withhold 10 bucks from each check. And, and until you came in like enough, and then they would distribute it again. So they, they had some weird money things where like every once in a while they were withholding money or this or that. So just naively. And after harassment, I was like, okay, like, shoot, maybe something in the contract that I didn't, wasn't fully aware of suggests that I could at some point owe them money if I don't something or other. Um, So I went in and they say, hey, you got to give a donation. You got to do some blood work and you got to sign this form. And it was essentially after I, uh, and sort of, they were sort of like, and then you won't, you know, then it'll be all good. Um, and so I did that reluctantly. And when I come out, they're like, okay, cool. And, and are like, yeah, now we can, you know, send the rest of the vials out that were, you know, part of this period of time where you donated and, and we didn't have blood work on you or something like that. Um, very sketchy situation where basically they threatened me and coerced me to come back in so that they could get the paperwork and blood work they needed to release these donations and make money off of me. Yeah, that, that, that doesn't, that, okay. I, I would need way more explanation from them to be like, yo, math ain't mathin. Trust me. Yeah. Yeah. I know. And that's the bet to the best of my ability and explanation of of what happened. They said I owed money. They made me come in. I, I did what I needed to do for them to be able to release these additional units. So at the end of this experience, I'm, I'm sort of like a little whiplashed. And they say, hey, do you want to know the number of births? And I, I was like, sure. And I go into the office 
and the woman clacks on the keyboard for a minute and then she turns to me and she says 50 and and I go 15 and she goes no 50 five zero and and I'm standing there after this like weird experience where I had to like do my business in the room and get my blood drawn and like sign paperwork and and confused I'm like I'm kind of dumb I, I was just confused and then they tell me that I have 50 kids uh, so, and sorry, I use that language sensationally, right? I, then they tell me that there are 50 births. Um, so I am just mind blown and, and kind of heart blown and I don't know what to do with that information. Then they tell me 26 girls, 24 boys. And that's the first moment that it really, where I really recognized, whoa, okay. I mean, one, I was still processing 50, right? Yeah. But then it became boys and girls you know, the sexes of the kids brought some new awareness into my mind of like, well, it's more details. It's more, it's more, we're getting tactile now. Yeah. Yeah. These are people. And then I go home to this little boy who I'm raising and I'm like looking at him like, oh my God, like, and I don't know what to do with this information. And so I bring it up to my, my, you know, then girlfriend and it triggers her, you know, like it's, I did not get any support from her unfortunately, in sharing it, I still absolutely would, you know, I don't, uh, yeah, it's so important to share that information. However, for me, I didn't get any support from from her or from that. So here I am walking around alone with this kind of weight of like, what's going on in my heart? Why am I like, sort of pulled in 50 different directions, if you will? Yeah, 50 Um, different directions. Yeah. 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 So, so it's a, it was a weird thing to experience and, and was a continuation of, of Zytex just kind of like doing some sketchy stuff and not giving me the whole truth. And, and then, I mean, that's straight up coercion, you know, if, if I don't know if I have any direct proof of the experience that I could take to court or anything. But but it was it was a little like shocking and traumatic, especially when yeah. they told me this enormous number and and started to humanize the the donor kids for me a little bit. Absolutely, I can I can understand that. Um, so that was okay. So I'm I'm was, trying to think. So so uh, trying to figure. Out, so what what year was that again? 2016. 2016, maybe early 2017. Okay, so then. 2020 was when you saw your first picture, right? When you first yes. talked to a recipient parent. Yeah, yeah. So un- unfortunately, um, yeah, my marriage uh, went south in, in a really unfortunate way uh, with me getting the short end of, of a- Yo, of... I, I'm a divorcee as well. So you are in yeah. good company. Oh, yeah. We can yeah. drink in trauma together. It's totally cool. <laughs> I, I right, right. when you're like, so, it, it went south fat. I'm like, I get that. I understand. I've been there. Yeah. I was an <laughs> right. alcoholic for a short period of time. And oh, oh man. Yeah. That's tough. That's super tough. I had I, friends yeah. who were like, Laura, you need it. Like here's, I, I do not condone alcoholism. I don't, but also like, fuck off. Um, I don't condone it. Um, but what, like, I remember like drinking way too much and my friends were worried about me understandably. And they were like, Laura, yeah. you like, you need to feel your feelings. And I'm like, you can fuck right off with that. Have you ever felt one of these? No, 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 no. 
big stuff. No, it is big yeah. feelings. It is big, horrific feelings. And I was like, we are microdosing my feelings and we're doing that using vodka. Okay. Yeah. This is. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. No. Yeah. But don't be an process. alcoholic. Don't do that. Yeah. No, it, it's a marathon too. It's not <laughs> like done in a few months. You know, this oh. is your, your, you were best friends with a person and then for whatever reason that disappearing is really hard. Um, oh yeah. I mean, this person is your literal entire world and then they're gone yeah. and it's, they're gone and it, it, and they, and your relationship and your dynamic with this person is it's completely altered and you're just like, and it's such a whiplash how quick, how quick it can happen. And you just go, Yeah. And, it, and it's like, well, I have a new life and th this is, this is, I'm going to, I'm, uh, excuse me, everyone. I'm just going to slowly pick up the pieces to my life right now as it is scattered. Thank you so much. It's sort of like that yeah. sort of final scene in the jerk when he's leaving the house, just kind of grabbing whatever he can and just going like, I, I, I need this. Um, but yeah. Okay, so we're we're twenty twenty. I I apologize that your your marriage ended. It sucks. Um, it's a it's a well, tough place to be in. It is. It is. And so mine happened right at the beginning of COVID. I was one of those that discovered the oh, truth no. about a certain thing. Uh, yeah. At the very beginning, about a week into. Oh um, no. Yeah. So. Oh. It's one of those, you know. So. Uh, COVID alone, horror I, story. Yeah, right. And listen to how big of a COVIDiot I was. At the beginning, I fly up because I just couldn't isolate with her. And there was a lot of hard decisions made. Uh, anyways, I flew up to stay with my grandma for a couple of months and like was like super quarantined for, for a bit. But and she was fine. She's still still with us. Yay, grandma. Hey grandma. Anyways, after that, I'm all alone, right? And and I transitioning careers, and uh, October rolls around, and I'm starting the first day of this new job. When thirty minutes into the new job, I get a message, the message that changed my life. It's the recipient parent reaching out and thanking me for the, for the gift of children. I didn't know that that's what it was. I just read this message that said, you know, I'm we're so grateful to you and. And if you're if you're open to knowing about us, we're open to that. And and so uh, you know, colleagues are filing into the office. I'm like not shaking hands, but like doing elbows with with my colleagues and and with mask on. And I flip over this profile and I see this little girl looking back up at me, and uh, with the same blue eyes as mine and the same uh, features, and uh, see a biological daughter of mine for the first time. And I. And fighting back tears because I do not want to be that guy who that weirdo who cried in the office on the first day of work. How could I explain <laughs> that to my colleagues? You're too? Like, like, you don't know. It's from my spank bank days. Okay, one of them's real. They're not a cup anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, you and, can't. Oh, so it was a trip. It was an absolute, and I had to like stay and be jobby and do careery things and <laughs> and my mind and heart are just elsewhere i'm literally the whole yeah. morning fighting back tears because like i mentioned earlier like i i was i had this little boy in my life and i knew what it meant to commit to a little to a person um and place you know and say play some sort of role in in that person's life 
and and what that did for my own yeah. like heart. Um, and and here I am, sort of given this opportunity to connect mm-hmm. with this little person, and and it moved me. It, it just yeah, it was incredible. So I uh, get I get the message, and I recognize in that moment, like yeah, I absolutely want to be connected to this family, and. I took the morning, I went upstairs to the roof of the building and just, and like cried my eyes out and sent this message to her. And, uh, and it started this like wonderful communication and relationship with this recipient parent who, uh, later that day, let me know like, Hey, I'm part of a group with a bunch of other families who all chose you as their donor. And that I'm reeling from learning about her daughter, another daughter on the way. There's a picture of a sonogram on her Instagram as well. And, and a little boy um, who who died actually in, in the hospital. Um, this was a, a biological child uh, that came, you know, from my DNA. And I learn of, you know, this little boy, uh, this, this beautiful little girl who's alive and, and super healthy and a little girl on the way all in a matter of minutes. And, uh, I take two days just to grieve, you know, and, and after those two days, I, I, I was ready to say, Hey, like, I know what I want to do with this. Like if, if we can connect, I'm open to that. And she invited me and 37 other recipient parents to join a group together. So what happened was anybody who wanted to join and connect with me joined this group, this new Facebook group that, that was formed. Great. So okay. The women had the ultimate choice of whether or not they wanted to at all. And so that's where I feel that the article was just a little, that's one of the places where I feel the article just was too reductive to say, I asked to be part of the group. And then later she's the, the article said, I asked to meet their children and 20 of them responded. That's, that's, just inaccurate. It, it wasn't an ask. It was a reciprocal uh, endeavor. It was, uh, especially the meeting the kids, that was all driven by the mothers, you know? But yeah. if if the article is framing it as though I'm the one that was like, I want to meet your children and I'm blasting that to the group, um, it's it's just inaccurate. It's, it's reductive. I, I mentioned that I was open to it and the woman responded by inviting everybody to come together if they wanted. And then I, then we were off on this journey of establishing trust, communicating. Honestly, I sent my 20, I joined 23 and me and sent my health and ancestry results to them. Mm-hmm. I did. Uh, I sent a picture of my toes at one point because half the kids have this weird toe. Um, Definitely not your typical feet pics. Yeah. <laughs> right. I know. I said, I usually charge for these, but um they, but listen, we, we, we developed this sort of camaraderie and friendship and trust yeah. between me and all of these women to when they started to reach out and say, uh, Hey, are you open to a video call with the kids? And I jumped on a video call and met my two of my bio kids for the first time via zoom of all. And they were in Australia, 10,000 oh miles away. And here I am on zoom. It's, it's my first moment communicating with the kids. Um, and that was that was my first communication with a lot of kids uh, was Zoom. And, and you know, we we sort of eased our way into this. And when one family wanted to connect in person, I obliged. And that, you know, 
it, it was a process, you know, it wasn't just this, I asked, I want to meet your children, you know, it was. It was a very me- symbiotic, really, like kind of like back and forth of, yeah. I yeah, mean, that's yeah. looking at the text messages, because you sent a bunch of them to me to like, you know, show and that's what it certainly feels like. And that's what parents have communicated. The recipient parents from the article also have communicated separately is like, this was very, like, this was all very mutual. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I've never pushed into a family or, or disrespected any boundaries that have been communicated. You know, I have not been perfect. I've stumbled along a, a, a couple of aspects of this, like of course. Uh, well, I don't expect any, I don't expect the recipient parents. I don't re- expect you to be perfect with this. This is brand new landscape. Y'all are figuring out for the, fir- you and many, many families are figuring out for the first time. I don't expect this to be perfect. There yeah. is no roadmap for this. We're all figuring this out right now. And so I called Zytex <laughs> like a dope thinking, Hey, maybe they have like some resources for me, or maybe they have <laughs> Yeah, right. I know. So silly. But here's here's why I thought that is because they there were so many men and my coming through as donors and my roommate had hit the limit. So I knew there were other men out there who had had this many, you know, been uh, uh, used to make this many. So I figured, hey, maybe they can connect me with one of them and we can like talk and support each other through what is a really heavy and difficult and complex and weird and and funny and beautiful intense experience you're putting Um, uh you're you are um i i love this so much and your (laughs) expectation is just like i i know what's about to happen (laughs) and it's so sweet like i'm just going like that's adorable oh it is i love the i love the intention though i love it i love the thought just really believe in the world here laura you know i just i love the golden retriever energy i'm married a golden (laughs) retriever and i'm i'm totally the the black cat wife 100 percent. love it yeah 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 i'm a libra so that yeah i have this optimism and and i really thought like hey this is just logical like if a lot of other people are going through this then it makes sense to provide some sort of support or to be able to support each other i I mean it seems logical to me and i do i do know that there are other people who do feel that way i i do they they they, they're it is yeah but so i was talking to a therapist already and and you know (laughs) that day that first day of therapy because my i I had therapy scheduled for the day after i got the message and and i was like get this (laughs) and that it wasn't really a therapy session anyways uh, i had support mental from mental health perspective but this person who was my mental health care provider did not have any context for an experience no. like this and how could they you know and, yeah and of course, you they're know, not going to have anything right right this person was a parent and and so she you know she was helping me through some of the experiences of uh having been a parent and going to this weird quasi parent situation and but it wasn't enough for me like how could it be you know um so I call Zytex and I think they could maybe connect me with somebody uh, who's also going through something similar. And they're like, no, no, we can't do that. It would, this is a, for, now they care about, you know, anonymity or, or protecting uh, people's identities. Um, anyways, they, they, they tell me, uh, we'll give you a session with our counselor, our in-house counselor. And I was like, okay, how many 
donor offspring does he have? And they're like, well, none, but you know, he's a, he's a counselor. And I was like, no, I don't, I'm literally asking for somebody with context for this because I don't know what the hell to do. I have no idea what this is or how to, how to, how to make sense of it, how to approach it, what's going on in my heart and my head. And I'm isolated in COVID. And so I, I don't have access to like my friends or my usual, Yeah, you know, so I was just lost there at the beginning and, and they offer me this sort of like token thing that I, I don't trust them anyways. They've, they've had, they, at this point had demonstrated history of coercion and lies yep. of omission at best. So here I am, it's kind of floundering for support. And fortunately there was a donor out in um, the Bay area who he's the only person I could find who had been actively connecting with his donor kids and, and had made it public. And so I reached out to him like, hey, help, <laughs> like help. And and we hopped on the phone and he provided this, this model of like, this is what it looked like for me. And we got together and when the kids were in high school at my lake house once a year. And I'm like, well, I don't have a lake house so that I can sleep this, you know, well, 50. But, but it, he, he gave me some really important insight, which was, like, look, in high school, they're all going to have some autonomy and they can travel and you'll be able to get together once a year. And that's a sustainable mm -hmm. kind of like amount of energy expended from everybody. And then they get to bond and, and it's a yeah. really beautiful experience. Then they go off to college and it's a little harder to get everybody together at any given time than they're adults. And it's a lot harder to get everybody together. So, you know, enjoy these kind of golden years and until they have that. So I kind of came to the conclusion, wow, until they have that autonomy to travel and for us to connect together, like. I have this remote job. I eventually got a remote job where I could travel and 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 see them and and so uh, you know getting this model from this person was so so important for me. And so I realized you know that my advocacy work is important. That if I can share a model of how this might look with people, then people won't struggle in the dark like like I did. Support from this person was was invaluable to me and. Uh, what community being good who would have thought yeah right yeah Where? so he, he was able to to uh really just like help me figure out how to approach this yeah. but so really it was a very emotional experience for me but what made me want to uh continue connecting with these this whole community is what I've since learned from the donor conceived community as I was try flailing to figure out where I could find the supports that I needed. I, I came across donor conceived community and their support groups. I, I talked to Erin Jackson, the founder of USDCC, and she helped. Uh, she I, So she turned me on to the We Are Donor Conceived survey. Mm -hmm. And I saw, whoa, 91% of donor conceived people want a relationship with their children. And uh, so here I am doing what I just understood as the right thing to do. You you mean ninety one percent? You mean ninety one percent of donor conceived people want a relationship with their donor? Sorry, uh, yes, that's absolutely what I meant to say. What did I say? You said ninety one percent of donor conceived uh, people want a relationship with their children. I think with their children. 91% of me want, uh, no, yeah. Um, so yes, absolutely. Uh, so, the, the vast majority of donor conceived people want a relationship with their donor. Yes, yes. And and so upon discovering that it was, it, it was 
kind of like, okay, so here's this thing that I know is right to do. I understand the power of showing up for a kid, Mm -hmm. right? And I understand what it does for me emotionally as well, that now I've learned, oh, this is something that is not happening historically for Mm -hmm. donor-conceived people. And this is something that I have the time and space and wherewithal to, to do. And it's the right thing to do. So I've leaned into it and continued to, to uh, you know, take advantage of this sort of unique situation that I was in to show up for these, these kids, however that looked, however the parents and, and the children sort of communicated they, they wanted. And we all sort of navigated figuring that out together. And where are you now? Like what, what has... Where, like, because I know that you guys are literally starting from square one and figuring this very unique dynamic that I do, that a lot of parents are finding themselves in and a lot of donors and a lot of kids are finding themselves in. Where are you now? Yeah, I have, it's it's just continued to take up so much space in my head and heart, this whole situation and and that it's happening. Well, it's over 90 kids. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Over 90 90, kids, yeah. Uh, some uh, a therapist that I worked with helped me, gave me this container that it's I have a heart cord between myself and each of the kids, and that's 96 heart cords that are sort of attaching me energetically to them, and uh, it, it was just a helpful container for me to understand, like, yeah, these are people that are in my head and heart, yeah. kind of constantly, um, and not only that, that it's happening to generation of generations of donor conceived people mm-hmm. it's happening right now that the very bank that I was donating at, you know, kind of yeah. continues to operate under some similar things. So I, you know, the, the importance of this advocacy work that I wanted to do continued to, um, you know, take up more and more space. And, and so I was working a software job for the last uh, couple of years and eventually I just couldn't focus on my work. Honestly, I, I was drawn into this, this advocacy work and, and showing up for, for my kids and uh, for, for my donor kids. And and that's what was important to me uh, to where focus, you know, coding a, a web page just felt so mundane. I like lost touch with, with, yeah. Uh, you know, my, a traditional life and and a, a trajectory that I was on. I can always fall back into that, but I can't really imagine yeah. working a, a traditional job and maybe even having a traditional family. Like now, this is this is my life, and I, I'm I have to see the beauty of it for myself and for these kids. Yeah, as hard as it can be sometimes. Like I have to kind of lean into this positively. So I think I, I communicated a lot of the beauty of this experience to, to this journalist. And then it was sort of co-opted as like, oh, he has all these emotional, you know, um, intentions around why he's doing this. And like, yes, that is a happy byproduct and, and well, one of the few things that keeps me going through what is an unmanageable situation made by the sperm donation industry. I also, I really, what what bothers me is, yeah, you having an emotional reaction to seeing your biological kid is labeled as like, oh, that's weird. What? Yeah. That's yeah. normal. Yeah. That's normal. In any other circumstance, that would be considered a very good thing. You're having a normal 
biological reaction to seeing your biological child. Why are people like that is understandable. But the reason that for some reason we've normalized is like, you're a donor. Fuck off. And it's like, do you guys hear that? This is a normal human reaction. This is a good thing that he is having a caring, empathetic connection to this child and wants this child to be okay. But you've also clearly demonstrated and your your recipient parents are also got your back tremendously on this, that you are absolutely respectful to the landscape and the relationship. But the fact that you are getting vilified for having a normal biological impact to seeing your biological child is just flat out, it's just wrong to me. It just, it really reminds me of like what donor conceived people go through when we reach out to our donors because we are torn to shreds as well, whether it's from our families, society, on the internet. Uh, I mean, the amount of just horrible things that I have been told when I was like, yes, I did reach out to my my donor. I abs- I have. And people say the most disgusting things to me. And I'm like, are, do you hear yourself? Do you, do you hear what you're saying? I didn't sign a contract. I didn't agree to any of this. All I want is medical history. But even if I was hoping for a relationship, which many donor-conceived people do, that's a normal, understandable reaction. It's their biological family. Of course they're interested. Of course they're curious. And you can't tell me that you don't understand that. Your favorite movie is Mamma Mia. It wouldn't have been a box office hit if you didn't understand that. Yeah. Like, fuck yeah. off, people. Like, have a heart. Why do you have such a disconnect with this? Yeah, yeah. And people, that that's what's, that's an aspect of why, you know, this this article had no let me not let me not jump into the article actually well we're going to jump in soon anyway yeah 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 no no that and yeah so it's it's sort of people forget that there are these are humans in the process they say oh that shouldn't happen and you're just their donor and you don't get to have uh you know emotions about this and it's like no i'm tuned into their lives i see when they're sick and I, I hear and I see their Halloween costumes each year, and I am able to, uh, you know, have these important conversations with them about who I am in their lives, and 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 help them process their feelings. Sometimes when we're hanging out, and I get to play with them and hang out with them, and it's it's a very human, connective experience that I, I I, I get so many people telling me like why are you doing this? Like, what are you doing with your life? You're throwing away your life. I'm like, I would be throwing away my life if I weren't doing this. Like, this is the new normal for me that I was given this situation of an absurd number of children, all of whom I have You're a figuring this emotional out. responsibility to. Yeah. And I, if I don't show up for them that's me just uh, bailing on my integrity as as a human like i show up in these kids lives and now what you want me to go back to some job like like you have like no i don't uh, you know all you do is complain about your job and all you do is 
complain about, you know, the child rearing process because it's hard in our current structures, right? It is. But but then for me to go and do this, they, they, there's such a lack of understanding, except for from my real friends and from my family. My family has been actually super supportive of me in, in committing to connect with these children that I've, I've been able to communicate to them the importance of doing so. And uh, the fact gosh, that I mean, it, well, the fact that yeah. you've been faced with such aggression and negativity for literally having empathy, compassion and a normal biological response to seeing your child is just like, what are you like? I find it weird when donors are like, it's not my kid. I'm like, that to me is fucking weird. That to me is like, what? That's your biological kid. Like, I'm not saying you got to play dad. I'm not saying you got to play mom. I'm not saying that at least bit. But you're telling me there's nothing. There's nothing. There's absolutely not. There's no curiosity. There's no interest. There's no compassion. There's no little heartstring that's that's tugged. There is absolutely nothing. That is weird. That to me is strange. Absolutely. I mean, that that is totally fucked up if some if a donor reacts that way and and here's something that i actually wanted to communicate as a donor laura to donor conceived people like you do hold space in your donor's heart regardless of their reaction to you or if they connect to you there is something in there that has been moved or shifted or is is aware of you and i you know, there there was something in, in me when I was 24 and, and choosing to become the dad to this non-biological child of mine. You know, it, it was it was subtle, but it's it's there and it's 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 moving them in some way. I wish it would move them enough to 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 make the decision to connect. It's totally strange to me that they don't. In my case, I'm just telling you that sentence probably sent to, uh, uh, that I can tell you right now that that sent out a lot of healing vibes to a lot of donor conceived people. Cause I, as soon as you said that, I was like, Oh shit, that just healed me a little bit. I didn't realize that. Oh fuck. Okay. Ah, damn it. I'm feeling feelings. Shit. You got me. You want some vodka? No. I, oh I, God. That'll be later. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, and I want to I want to communicate those kinds of things because that's this is the donor experience. Whether I committed yeah. to the children or not, they would have impacted me in some way, and 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 I think it's important to acknowledge that for donors as well. You know, I, I, absolutely. I wanna, you've offered me a corrective experience today with the media, and like if I can offer corrective experiences to folks, then that's beautiful. What 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 better? way to go about life than to share in, in healing and to share and in, in enjoy I, in and community I it's a it's a weird thing um yeah but it but like it, it does sound like from you know the pieces that you know i've heard directly from your recipient parents that and you know the messages that you know you you were you were sharing with me it sounds like you guys are in a very positive space. And what I do, I really appreciate is that you are giving um, space for the recipient parents to figure it out. Like you act like they like, and you actively track. Um, and one thing I will say is like, I know that um, like, cause you have a spreadsheet 
And I know a lot of, of like all the donor kids and everything and all their information. And I wanted to share because you got a lot of shit for that. All donor conceived people have that with their pods as well. All donor conceived people have literal Excel spreadsheets breaking down their entire pods, their numbers, their information, doctors, um, literally that's so normal for our community is to create spreadsheets because that's literally what just makes sense. So the fact that you got shit for having a spreadsheet to literally keep track of your over 90 children to make sure that you had all the information correct is like, yeah, that's what we all fucking do. So the fact that you got shit for that was like stupid to me. But what I really appreciated from, cause you expressed that you have on this sheet is you track what all the parents are comfortable with you with uh with what to call you you track um what do the kids know so you make sure that you're aware of the language you use uh which is extremely aware so the fact that you are actively working really hard to make sure that whenever you go see a new family you are actively making sure you are meeting the parents boundaries with that and allowing them to feel safe and I think that that's so huge. And that was not expressed. Yeah, yeah. The way, oh gosh, the way that that sentence was expressed, it was like, it was as though I was, it was like- It was like you were tracking them. Yeah, these are my trophies. Like, no, this is for me to manage what has become at such a scale an unmanageable situation. Spreadsheets are to manage large data and, and it's so normal and, and i will say it's very normal in the donor conceived world like all large pods have spreadsheets that's literally normal that's so i can understand looking into our world people are like you have a fucking spreadsheet and it's like no no, no we all fucking do asshole like we have to what do you think you where we have to you, we yeah. have to everyone has otherwise, a spreadsheet right otherwise i'm coming into these houses and i'm saying like like, oh, no, I'm not your dad. I'm Donor Dylan. And they're like, no, I thought you were my dad. And and all of a sudden, and, and then that would be hugely damaging to a kid. So it's just my way of, of keeping track of how to be sensitive to what these kids are going through. A couple of the columns are, uh, are they aware that they have donor siblings? Yeah. And then another one, are they aware of how many donor siblings they have? Because mm. some parents will tell young children, hey, you, oh, no, you have all, all these donor siblings out there. But they don't say, hey, you have 95 donor siblings out there. Yeah. Because that's a different conversation. And that's a different thing for, for a child to carry around. And what age do you have that conversation at? And I, I wholeheartedly believe in it's never early. an easy conversation to have. I mean, at any age, that's gonna cause trauma. It's right. At any age, it's gonna be like, what? And I'm damn sure not going to be the one that comes into this house and causes that trauma, right? Yeah. I'm going to do whatever I can to prevent that. So the spreadsheet was a tool for me to better approach this situation, yeah. uh, you know, carefully. No, that again, and I saw that it made total sense to me. I knew exactly what that yeah. was. And um, yeah, yeah, it, it, it was. For, yeah. Yeah. Acknowledging no. that other donor conceived folks use, use spreadsheets. I've yeah. You, you said it earlier. I love a good spreadsheet. I love an Excel um, sheet. I, are you, my favorite part yeah. of my day is color coding my schedule for the day on my Excel sheet. That's like my favorite thing that gives me yeah. so much serotonin joy. Oh my God. <laughs> like, I really need to get diagnosed with ADHD. I really need to get that <laughs> diagnosis and get that fucking medication. But, um, yeah. Okay. So, so, but so then I think, 
so let's let's kind of talk a little bit more about about the article a little bit and what are the things that you really are like I really need to fucking amend this like I really need this to under be understood how this was misconstrued I mean the fact that they didn't bring up anything about really like anything about the the fact that you were misled was not brought up and they even made it sound and, and this was I would say very misconstrued by so many people where they thought you chose to have 95 children which I'm like how what and that frustrated me a lot and and it's like you guys like the these articles had a really golden media opportunity to really spotlight where a cryobank fucked up and they had all the evidence. Um, what I would love to do actually right now is play a, um, a couple of clips from a phone call that Dylan actually recorded with Zytex. Um, there, it, it is edited a little bit because there is some private information that is shared that just we obviously cannot share uh, publicly. But I just want you guys all to listen to this for a second. Hey there, this is Ebony. How can I help you? Hi, Ebony. I'm uh, donor 5186. Just just calling to check on the uh, number of births and um, yeah, just ask a couple of questions. Okay. Um, give me one second. I am pulling up 61 family units and 92 babies. Okay. Um, but remember, again, we can only count what's been reported to us. So if you were at 50 family units, then it would have been what was reported at the time. And that's when we slow you down, retire you. But sometimes people, they come back in later and start reporting because they want, like, if you're open identity, they want that birth information. So there's a lot of babies out there that we don't know about until they want, like, information. And then they start reaching back out to us. And so that's how come the number keeps climbing. And so this is how they make sure that they can make as much money off of each donor as possible. Their reporting policy made mm -hmm. it so that they didn't actually hit the limit for a long, long time. And guess what they were doing in that time? They were distributing my sperm. So here's how it works. And it's and it's they, all fully the res responsibility of the recipient parent. It's not their fault. It's the recipient right, parent's right. fault for not reporting it. There's no it. law saying that they have to report. So they pass the buck onto the recipient parent yeah. when there's not actually providing any incentive for the recipient parent to report. Yeah. Uh, so this is the experience of some of the RPs in, in my community. They uh, were offered a photo of me uh, if they reported the births. And so I was like, oh, a new picture. Like that's worth kind of a lot if you only have two sheets of paper, right? Turns out, no, it's not a new photo. It's a framed photo of a photo they already had in my file, <laughs> which blew my mind are I was, you I was, fucking shitting me no way there's no way that that is their incentive so they're not offering any real incentive uh. for the recipient parents to report i don't know if that's <laughs> policy across the board at all these different sperm banks but at oh the my time, god that's what it was so it's on these recipient parents to just go out of their way to to report with, with no education about why it's important to report and uh so really what it is, is that means that Zytex doesn't have to say, oh, we reached this limit. It's like, no, let's just keep distributing because there's only 12 reported births right now, but they may have distributed hundreds of samples and not gotten any reports back. Now, I, I have no problem just talking about Zytex or anything like that, but I do want to make it clear. This is how it is for every single cryobank in the United States. This is every single cryobank and clinic. 
this is all of them. Wow. So I do want to make this very, very clear. Um, there is no sibling cap in the United States. Now, there was a sibling cap passed in Colorado last year, but that law is not going to go into an effect until 2025. And that is a 25 family max. But it is not it, it, it will not go into a law for another like two years, another year, um, year and a half. Sorry, it's. Math is not my my strong suit. But um, so please know that the laws that he is talking about, the regulations that he is talking about with Zytex, this is every single clinic in Cryobank. So, yeah. I, you know, for right. all of you who are going like, oh, thank God I didn't use them. No, 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 friends. No, no. You're in the same. You are in the same rodeo as all of us. Yeah. Yeah. And so they'll uh, they distribute internationally. Right. I yes. have biological children in six countries mm -hmm. and uh so they'll tell and this has been the experience of my recipient parents they'll tell the families in the uk that there are 10 families and that's the limit well because in the, the in the uk there is a 10 family limit they actually do have a regulated 10 family limit in the uk but not anywhere else it, it doesn't they do yeah and so if a company operating in the u.s uh, says, oh, there's 10 families in the UK. And then they tell another family in Australia, oh, there's 10 families in Australia. Or Sorry, they just say there's 10 families. That's the limit. And so many of my RPs were under the, internationally, were under the understanding that there are 10 families and that's total. But no, they distributed 10 families in the UK, 10 families in Canada, 10 families in Australia, as many families as they want to in the U.S. and Israel, Scandinavia, you know. So so you end up with these absurdly large sibling pods with yeah. people under the impression that there's a much lower, you know. Sibling. What were your yeah. parents and the what were your recipient parents in the U.S. told? Like, were they also shocked? They were shocked. They I, I don't think they were ever told the actual accurate number of of how many families there were. The mm -hmm. text would always sort of dodge. Uh, around it so um so yeah so this this they continue to distribute until they hit the limit and even then i think they distributed after the limit because zytex said 40 right i have a phone call to them telling me the limit is 60 so they just say whatever they want when i go back to look into my contract it doesn't say we will stick to a limit of 40 families it says, I, the donor, have been informed that the limit is 40 families. Uh, for anybody so. who wants to see that contract, um, here it is. By the way, just a reminder, not only do we record this uh, as a podcast, um, you know, audio, but we also film this on YouTube. So if you want to be seeing any of these things, uh, please go to YouTube. The entire episode is right there, and you can see the contract, and you can see that portion right there. The contract mm -hmm. uh, that I signed said, I've been informed that the limit is 40. Turns out they can move that limit around as much as they want up to in I'm, infinite. Um, I mean, they're, they, they're, there's no law. There's no law stopping that. There's no law. There's no law. And so I, I call them, uh, I'm, I'm doing the calculations in my head at one point when I realized there's no law. I'm like, what could the number actually be? And, um, you know, then I look at uh, the ASRM limits and i'm like oh thank god there's a society for reproductive medicine <laughs> like because as we know societies are always great they're um, all yeah 
Yeah, ASRM. Again, if you are a first-time listener, the ASRM is the American Society of Reproductive Medicine. They are the ones who basically create the guidelines for the clinics and uh, cryobanks to follow. I would like to underline the word is guideline, not regulation. So clinics and cryobanks can opt out and choose to not follow these guidelines anytime they would like. It's right. it's very Pirates of the Caribbean. It's more like a guideline. Yeah, and when I discovered that they would be okay with with the proper distribution, me having 10,000 kids in the United States, uh, I was a little upset at that. 25 kids per population of 800,000. Um, Can you so, explain a so, little bit more what that means? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they say it's, it's okay to have 25 kids per population of 800,000. And that's so, ASRM guidelines? They, these are the ASRM guidelines that are still in effect. They were made in the 80s. How not ducky. Sense. So there is a task force right now that I was a part of as, as part of my advocacy work. I was talking to these this group of doctors saying, hey, this needs to change. And here's why. Here's my experience. It's been really, really difficult um, as, as a donor with, with this many kids. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, we'll, we'll see where that goes. But for now, this is what Zytex advertises following are these guidelines. So Zytex gets to, you know, masquerade as though they follow some sort of ethical uh, system, ethical code. When you dig into the ASRM's ethical code, they say 25 kids per population of 800,000. If the U.S. has 300 million, then what that, the math there means I could have over 10,000 children in the United States alone, and the ASRM would be like, yep, you're good. Uh, over a quarter million children in the world, and, and they would be fine with that, which is absolutely absurd. Not only a public health issue, but a serious mental health issue in a globalized society where you can swipe and travel wherever you want yeah. as you please. And these families end up conglomerating in these in specific cities. Yeah. Um, and because you know, you have to come from a certain socioeconomic status in order to afford the fertility treatments. Well, and, especially and every, your vials were a thousand to two thousand dollars. I mean, you were you right? you were top shelf, baby. Like that's that's fucking <laughs> extensive. Like it, I yeah, expect I, that sperm to be gold plated if I'm paying that much. <laughs> Jesus. Right. And so they end up in these like wealthy neighborhoods of, of these of the same cities. So people are like, oh, well, that's spread out all over the world. It's like, no, it's not. They're actually like ending up in in the same cities because that's where they go to the same school and their socioeconomic yeah. status end up there were uh, there are at least six families in toronto right now just that use me as a donor yeah. and two of the families ended up running into each other at, at gymnastics their gymnastics kids camp yep. you know on accident for the first time ever um meeting the the kids meeting each other so uh you know it's 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 not okay to have these old ancient you know guidelines from the 80s saying that it's okay maybe in that world from a purely public health perspective 25 or 800,000 was okay but now we have the internet and now we have and we can travel so much more easily and and it's just not okay anymore yeah no it i'm yeah i i mean it's it's just not and the fact that so many so many donor conceived children uh, end up as classmates uh, dating yeah. the same person, dating each other. It's just like, mm -hmm. this is, it, it is absolutely ridiculous. It is absolutely, and you're right, it is, it is a public health crisis. Um, what are other things from the article that you are just, you you desperately are like, I really want to fix this. This was totally taken out of context. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, I could go line by line on this thing. I was like, I started going line by line and I didn't make it three lines before I, I mean, we have covered, we've sort of like put in a bunch of stuff um, later because I know we were like, no, no, we're going to do it all at the end. And we ended up like throwing a bunch of of crap in, but yeah. Is there anything else specifically? I want to communicate like before jumping into the sort of line by line that it, that I have been the director of uh, sperm donor resources and content at USDCC. I've written an article for them. I've, I've communicated on a task force for ASRM uh, to, to change their guidelines. I've uh, I, on TikTok, I'm, I'm developing these resources for to educate young men 18 to 24 about being a donor and giving them some of the transparency that I wasn't lucky enough to receive and have reached 36,000 of, of these young men with a really high like rate. These, these young men are responding to this stuff because it's like kind of funny and taboo. And maybe they've seen some of these targeted ads that are hitting them uh, that I'm trying to combat with some of, some of this. Oh, the, um, what the, what, what the clinics and cryobanks are doing like on TikTok and Instagram is just in, in YouTube is like the targeted ads are so predatory awful right and uh you know and just not giving enough information for them to make an informed choice they're literally just advertising the incentive yeah um and and so i'm doing what i can to combat that by by telling them hey like this is what it might look like in your future and and you know there's no laws uh, keeping them from you know sticking to a limit and what's your dating life going to look like when you have this many kids and and you know trying to give them some personal things as well as hey this is a really beautiful experience when done correctly yeah. You know, I'm not anti-sperm donation here. I'm, I'm actually very pro. There just needs to be some specific changes made. Yeah, and I mean, like, the, the Donor Conceived Council and myself are, no one is in, in, the, in between myself and, and that uh, nonprofit are advocating for the end of donor conception. None of us are. We're just like, it needs to be ethically done, and there needs to be regulations, common sense regulations. Um yeah. But yeah, no, let's hit right. it. Let, let's go through, but yeah, let, let's go line by line. So yeah, diving into the article, um, it, one of the first lines is, it all began when he first saw a photo of one of his biological children. That gives no context to it, and that's not actually true. It, it, this whole journey began for me when the recipient parent reached out to me, and then I saw a photo of this biological child. Like, it sort of implies, like, I... I found a picture magically it appeared in my it it again it it just sets a tone and I I agree it just sets it starts off it sets a tone that's like I mean I get it I get it because I know a lot more and now we all listening to it understand more context but it's for a stranger completely reading it I can it just sets an off an odd tone yeah yeah it's like where did he get this picture and it's a man finding a picture of a child like like you got to be careful with your language here to set up what actually happened, which was a recipient parent yeah. reaching out to me and giving me the opportunity to to see this photo and to connect with her family. She I'm going to actually uh, pull up the article myself uh, while, while you're yeah. going through it as well. Sure. Yeah. And and so then you know, I don't think we make it too much further. Um I think of her as my first child is a quote that they got from me. And I don't know if I said the word child uh, and if I did, it was within a conversation where I very clearly was talking about donor children, because I don't see this little girl as like mine. And I, uh, you know, I'm 
in possession of her in some way or, or like you're not looking yeah. at her as like yes you are her biological father but you're not i don't want to put words in your mouth but you're you're not looking at her as like i am this i am parent right right i think of her as my first child in the context that they that they put this line suggests to the reader like hey he, he you know he a, a traditional like first child like no i'm i'm almost certain that i said here my first donor child and and it's like seeing this first image i have a special connection with this with this first child that i saw um so i just want to clear the air there of like it's not a my first child and i don't I, I, it just set the tone for this sort of me pushing my way into these families you know that definitely um, and was, was taken way out of context that definitely was the theme throughout the article. Yeah, it, yeah. it definitely, like, I will say that was the vibe it gave. Yeah, like she's her parents and I'm lucky enough to be included in her life in a small way. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I usually refer to them as the kiddos, but if I have to specify that I'm not talking about like children in general, sometimes I have to specify, you know, my children and and so the the it, it's it's hard to find yeah. language that that everybody you know is totally okay with but we're all anyways, figuring this, this, it out we're all figuring that out yeah i respect parenting too much to 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 have ever meant this at, in like a i'm her parent kind of way mm -hmm. um so then i think the very next line is he met harper when she was three and decided he wanted to foster relationships with as many of the children as possible as though I like, uh, which, which, yeah, well, as uh, though it started, it wasn't meeting her that made me decide I wanted to connect with the kids. It was learning about the, uh, you know, typical experience of donor conceived people. It was understanding that it was right to show up for these kids in, in some way. And it was and, also the recipient parents all reaching out to you going, hey, would you be open to this? Yeah, yeah, right. It's uh, I, I, it, and it you dealing with your own emotions with it, but that it just everything that we just listened to you express that is not a nuanced enough line. Yeah, yeah, and uh, right as many as possible. There is like just a unfortunate choice of words it's yeah. it's it doesn't I would, I would agree. show that i have any sort of respect for the boundaries of these women it it is it, something like as many consenting families as possible would have been much more accurate and and then they talk about he quit his job as a software engineer and has funded his quest with savings as though i quit my job right at the beginning of of this process it, it sounds right? like, like you quit your job and to be to quest to do to to find all like that 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 is what it sounds like yeah yeah like oh this thing happened in my life now i'm just gonna quit make a super irrational decision and and go meet all of them and and manifest destiny and and you know it, it, it's it was leading the reader to believe that i quit my job at the beginning of of this whole journey and that's not true i didn't quit my job until six months ago and i've been meeting the kids for two over two years now 
two and a half years. Now. And, and I just want to remind everyone, uh, you did quit your job. You, you, and you, you have a remote job. You just changed a job because the advocacy was the work that you were like, I really want to do this work. Yeah. Yeah. Right now I'm not getting paid for my work and I'm, I'm working on some sort of long-term Yo, creative project. Ditto. <laughs> Yes, yes. And we, there's so much to talk about with that. I love your idea for the docu-series. I'm so, so excited for that. Thank you. Um, I appreciate that. Let me know how I can participate because that oh, is Oh, fuck like, yeah. Well, you're kidding me. You're going to be one of the people I interview. That's for fucking sure. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This has already been super fun. Uh, yeah, uh, really excited for that. I have my own. We'll have actual. Of... We'll have actual alcohol for that interview. Okay. As two divorcees, <laughs> we'll meet at a bar and we'll just be like, all right. Let's just compare war stories. Okay, Show I'm me gonna, where I'm you gonna... were traumatized. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Share the war stories. It'll be, uh, <laughs> it'll be like AA, but 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 yeah, DCPA or DCA. Yes. Um, no, no, no. That uh, yes, I love that because we can yeah just hang out and commiserate and and from different perspectives too. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, it's gonna be so fun. Um, you can get really creative with that too. That's, uh, it's just really exciting to me. Um, but yeah, so I, I left my job as a software engineer. I took a volunteer position with USDCC mm -hmm. and have also been working on these creative projects and I've been, and have been able to put more time into showing up for the kids as well, which is something that takes up a lot of space now that I've met 25 of them, yeah. which is totally accurate. Um, it's, it's just not that I, you know, left uh, uh my job as soon as this opportunity to meet kids came around this, i've been meeting this... the kids and working for two for two years before that i just and... suddenly had a vision of you just like you're like i'm leaving the shire to go quest to mordor to meet my children <laughs> yeah i'm going on an egomaniacal adventure yeah um no no that's not how it was at all like uh, what, why I quit my software job was because what I was talking about earlier, it, it just started taking up so much space in my head and heart and the advocacy work just kept on calling me to be like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is what I'm uniquely equipped to do with my experiences and my professional experience. And, and so I, I, I left to focus on my purpose. I commiserate with that so much. Like people, when people always are, um, not to sound self, you know, not to sound egotistical or anything, but people are like, oh my God, thank you so much for all the advocacy you do. And I'm like, and I'm like, yo, I had no choice in this fucking matter. I had no choice. I had to do this. Like you don't understand the, 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 emotional gravitational physical pull to this going Laura you're fucking doing this now I had no choice so I totally understand this pull of going like because I do think once you essentially uh, the best way I, and I, I know a lot of donor conceived people as well sort of feel this but like once you sort of see the matrix of this you're like I can't unsee this fucking shit I have to say something because it's literally creating a pocket of our population. I have to do yeah. something. And so I totally, totally recognize that feeling of, of that pull. Because, dude, it's strong. It is. And I remember my feeling was when my um, first donor sister called me for the first time and I heard her voice. And I was just like, holy shit. And I was, I was 30 when that happened. And everything in my life changed at that moment. Everything changed that moment when I heard her voice. 
and yeah. I it lit that fire in me immediately. It was it was done. Yeah. Life changing moment. And I don't know if a lot of people have a reference point for understanding that pull, you know, so they yeah. see it as this weird thing, but it's just taking the red pill, you know, and, and, and. We're like, not going to really say the red pill on here. We're not going to do that. We're, we're not going down okay. that alpha bro territory. Okay. All right. Sorry. Cause it's funny that you mentioned that though. And it, it's, I did say it's seeing weird... the matrix. I did. I know. I know. Right. Yeah. But really, no, once you get exposed to, to, the reality of this yeah. um i mean it was affecting my work in my day job i couldn't yeah. uh and and i needed to i needed to do what i needed to do yeah. um so it's it's funny you mentioned the, the matrix metaphor because i literally uh last week called the uh, called alicia the the recipient parent who reached out to me and who's quoted many times in this article yeah uh i called i said i sent her this message i said you're my morpheus with a little yellow heart yeah. next door because she's the one that gave me the choice. Do I want to go and leave my live my life with relative normalcy and and go back to my little jobby job and and this and that, or do I want to, you know, connect with and show up for and yeah. and dive into this this thing that I participated in and and need yeah yeah. Um, so she gave me the choice between normalcy and yeah. purpose and 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 so of of course you know for me I, of course I chose purpose um so that I, that speaks a little bit to the nature of the relationship that i have with this woman who's quoted in the article a few times um and she she said the things like he is not her dad period yeah it was very cold and stark quotes to me yeah which what that is it's an it's an expression of from a woman who has lost a child the protective and philosophical beliefs that she has for what is right for her little girls which is absolutely hers to decide mm -hmm. and it kind of should be stark and communicated like that you know and they're really important points that she brings up like in this household we do not call him dad and that's great i'm so excited to see what this little girl grows up like when she doesn't have to be confined to this traditional family mindset I, you know if, if i will say i'm going to put my little advocacy hat on right here uh, i totally yeah. i totally respect I, 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 like not not to put my not to but in my personal opinion i respect where the mom is coming from but i don't think it is emotionally the right thing for the donor conceived person to be making those hard fast rules for their child i totally understand why the mom feels that way but the child should be deciding how they refer to you and what they are comfortable. Now that is now I know that you, and I do think it is absolutely the right thing that you are respecting what she wants. Um, but as a donor conceived advocate, um, if this mom ever listens to this, hi, what's up? I apologize. Um, but I would ask you to consider allowing the child to express their own opinions about it. Because once the recipient parent puts their own emotions and labels on the donor and how they should feel about the donor, it gets into an emotional area that leads to tough places for donor-conceived people because then they are not going to feel as open with you to talk about these things because there's going to be this immediate fear of expressing those emotions and going, oh, shit, am I not allowed to talk about it? Because the truth of it is that child may hypothetically want to call you dad. 
they may want to. And the fact that they're scared to right now is not actually could end up backfiring more. So again, and it's, and it's, I, I understand this is tricky. I know this is hard and this is not to shame recipient parents. It's to give them a opportunity to look at this a little bit differently. You can't control how your donor conceived child feels. You just, you just can't allow, make space for them to figure that shit out. Otherwise it'll backfire. And we've just seen that way too many times, but again, but okay. Hat off. That's fine. That was my little spiel. But it no, is the right it, thing for you to do with the recipient parrot is. It is absolutely correct for you to do that. And I agree with that. So I agree with you here, Laura. Um, I and and let me and I have a story to show, like, I absolutely think that the kids should say, call, call me whatever they want to. Um, and at the same time, you know, this woman was expressing her philosophy. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has a, a right to do that. Yeah. And I wish this article had given her the 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 grace of saying, "Here's the relationship within which this type of thing is being communicated." Her and I are super close. Mm-hmm. She's a great mom in so many ways, and yeah, she has a philosophical difference for me here in this category um, because the one of the next lines is, um, "I what what is it?" Uh, the one of the next lines is uh it was hard for me to look my biological daughter in her eyes and and say that i wasn't her dad that was taken out of context too that was not my response to her Mm. expressing this philosophical uh belief uh this what i said uh here was when actually came from a time when i walk in the door and within 30 seconds of me being in this little girl's house for the first time, she says, I'm going to call you Donor Dylan Dad. Oh, that's cute. I'm sitting there. She is three years old. And, you know, I have never, and I just was not prepared for this. So I I get down on her eye level, right? And I know, I mean, me and this woman have had these conversations. She knows that I think they should call me whatever they want. And she knows that I know that she believes not that something different from that um but when i'm in her house as this man coming in i have no right to go against what she is actively teaching her child when she's raising the yeah. child if i were to come in and say yeah you can call me whatever you want then that would confuse the child and it would yeah. undermine the mother and it would cause a rift in the family and that's just like sociopath shit that i'm not about to do so even though i totally agree with you here laura i had to go in and get down on eye level with this little girl and say i am not your dad i'm a special friend and i helped make it and i just botched this explanation because it's not my beliefs and i was sort of forcing my way through it um fortunately you know we had a great rest of the afternoon and we had this some beautiful moments and and she calls me donor dylan now but so this mother expressing her her belief was uh, just uh, not done in a way that highlighted how she had taught her, you know, daughter sign language at a young age and gives her tactile bins to increase cognitive and dexterity and, and uh, you know, just shows up for them in, in the most beautiful ways and, and is, is giving them a really, really intentional life um uh, and and child rearing 
experience, you know, uh, you know, aside from, from, or not aside from, but, you know, and she has this philosophical belief that, that is different from mine. Um, so it made it seem like there was this, the whole article was building up to me forcing my way in and, and them yeah. being my kids and me being their dad. And yeah. this is her standing up against this yeah. insipid, you know, creeping guy who's, who's coming in when no, she, we built trust. You should see the conversations that we've had helping each other heal from our various birth traumas and, and, and experiences that, that pushed us to connect uh, we, I mean, she's just shown up for me in some, some really beautiful ways. And I like to think that I've shown up for her in some beautiful ways too. So for the article to, to, to make it seem like, like she's defending her family against me when really she, we've done three years of building trust and friendship yeah, and have this shared love for their daughters and and uh, you know all of these experiences that have led up her to trust me implicitly to even as the article mentioned be able to take care of her daughters when her and her wife go out for you know for a night out so uh you know no parent would do that with somebody they didn't trust yeah 100% you know and oh my god of course so i, I feel it was unfair for them to make it seem like if it, you know some people in the article seem to agree with me or that I was doing a beautiful thing and some people seem to believe the very opposite and either way you see this this combative thing when yeah. what this article could have been was showing hey here's how some people are leaning into this experience that might be a little more common than than we than we think and and uh, and it's very beautiful and it's and this is an aspect of it where they disagree about some things and how do they navigate that and i would much rather read that story you know than something that's like oh this guy's trying to push his way in and she's like no they had you know, an um, opportunity to write a really good article showcasing the misleading from zytex and how you guys are actively coming together to make it work and instead it just was weird um so strange. yeah we are running out of time and yeah. so i would love is there any like last things about the article that you are just like i really need to clear this up like anything that you're just like i i desperately need to clear this up but i i think we've hit a lot of the points and i think and i do hope that my listeners like at this point like hearing them go line by line are going like oh shit it's we're missing like we're missing a lot um, but is there anything specific that you would like to clear up? Yeah, I mean, so we we have some of the screenshots of the mothers reaching out to me and and wanting to connect. I'm showing them right now on YouTube for anybody who's interested. Right now, they're there if you you want to see them. And I, I mean, I have I probably have like a terabyte of of this stuff, you know, of us connecting and like appreciating each other because I'm helping you know meet their children's needs and in many ways they're giving me this really enriching and connective experience you know so when there's this line in the middle of the story that says um some parents they decided some parents decided they wanted nothing to do with him those who have welcomed him into their home are trying to figure out his role etc etc that's that's uh, essentially giving this image like so, some some parents you know uh, 
saw through, you know, some parents don't want this at all. Yeah. I want nothing to do with him. It, it's a little, want, it's a little That's harsh. just like kind of sub subjective, you know, that's, that's her inferring how these people feel unfairly. Yeah. Um, and then those who have welcomed into her home are trying to figure out his role that one, it's the vast majority of people uh, that have welcomed me into their home who have been the ones to connect in the group. Um, so it's, it's sort of seemed like there were just a few that let him into the home or something, but it's like, no, most of them want this connection in, yeah. in this way. Well, um, and, I, and it's not, sorry. No, and I appreciate cause um, you, one of your moms uh, even said in the, in the video saying like, we know that this is the right thing to do for our donor conceived children. And I love that awareness. I love it. It makes me so happy to hear that. Yeah. She's a boss. She's opened my eyes to so many things. And, uh, and like, so we have this like really symbiotic and, and awesome friendship, you know, and it's, it has this depth beyond friendship too, because we share this love for the, these children. Well, and, you've, you've and so it's so much more than just together. me coming in and we're all trying to figure out my role. Like this sentence kind of makes it seem like I, I come in and, and we're all like hyper fixated on like, what do we do? Like, what is his role? And it's like, no, I go in and I play with their children and we play games and I connect with the moms and, and we like hang out and, and get to know each other. And we go to like theme parks and do a lot of really beautiful fun stuff that makes the kids like super happy it's fun for me and the mothers get to ask me questions about my health and my life experience and and these things that could inform how they parent and yeah. the kids get the genetic mirroring more that mm -hmm. they, that they need where they see somebody who share who looks like them in their yeah. immediate vicinity who who has a sort of like familial role yeah. And, and that is beneficial for them. That sort of validates them in, in these kind of, I think, really profound ways. This, this concept of genetic mirroring, I just learned recently, thanks to a recipient parent in this awesome and, and, yeah. and growing community. Um, but so it, it kind of spun this as like, we're all like really conflicted about this when really like, no, we're not. When you boil it down to what it is, you have the choice to show up for these kids and and I made that choice and we're navigating it sure absolutely and there are differences but the vast majority is this really beautiful connective experience that only gets out of hand at the scale that it is because I do have to say goodbye to kids more often than I maybe would and and I can't necessarily see them as often as I could, if if there were a more reasonable number, I'm so happy that they're all here. I love every one of them, but I can't necessarily manage the relationships that each of them want from me because yeah. of the way that the sperm bank misappropriated and and overdistributed the the genetic material that that I donated, and that to me was the real story here. That there is this wildly beautiful connective experience going on with a lot of nuance and complexity. And it's been sort of tainted by the practices of the sperm donation industry. I think that that is uh, perfectly said and the exact note we need to end this podcast on. Um, so Dylan, 
again, I'm so sorry for everything you've gone through, but please know that us in the community support you. We are grateful that a donor is fucking stepping up. It gives all of us some hope. Um, the education that you are providing for donors is so immense um, and it's so needed. Um, I do know one day these donor conceived children are going to be so grateful they have a connection with you, even if it is not absolutely everything. It's still something and it is going to mean a lot to them. And we're all here and everybody, um, and if anybody wants to follow you, follow your story, learn more from you, where can they find you? Yeah, you can find me at Donor Dylan. Um, I even have a little website, DonorDylan.com. But TikTok and Instagram is where I'm at, at, at Donor Dylan. And I share a lot about my early experiences and about, you know, a lot of the things we touched on with what language to use and, and how to show up and some of the issues with the industry from my perspective and experience. So, um, you know, definitely tune into to my Instagram and I'll be doing some kind of comedic infotainment stuff on TikTok as well, because that's gotten a good response and it's super fun and it's it's informative. And, and so, yeah, thank you so much, Laura. I, I just can't say how much this means to me. I was having a really, really hard time yeah. until you and the community stepped up and, and uh, what, what helps, what helps too, is like, I know that I'm doing the right thing here and and if i have you all support and that reminds me of that in, in times where it's really easy to, to forget so um thank you absolutely and i my heart goes out to to you and your recipient parents i i feel so bad for everybody in that article yeah and you have a space in your donor's heart and you have a space in mine wonderful well thank you dylan and i am so grateful that we have you as a member of our community um, thank you. And for everybody, have a wonderful, wonderful day. And we will see you next week. <laughs>